This recording begins with a reading of the Gospel of the Day. That will be followed by the homily from Father Paul O'Brien. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have won over your brother. If he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, so that every fact may be established on the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, then treat him as you would a Gentile or a tax collector. Amen, I say to you, what you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, amen, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything for which they are to pray, it shall be granted to them by my heavenly Father. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. The Gospel of the Lord. There are passages in the New Testament that are quite straightforward to understand, and they're probably meant to be taken quite directly as is and put immediately into practice as is. In my experience, today's gospel reading from Matthew 18 is one of those passages. I personally believe that every authentic Christian, starting with me, should be thoroughly familiar with this passage, should regularly put it directly into practice, and should regularly adapt and introduce the fundamental truths of this passage in this often not very Christian world. In my own life, when I don't directly live Jesus' teaching from this passage, at a certain point I have to have the honesty and maturity to admit that's wrong. When I choose not to live this passage, it's just wrong. I have no excuse. The issue addressed in this text is very specific. Jesus teaches here what every one of his authentic disciples should do when a fellow Christian sins seriously against him or her. All of this is about serious sin, a really significant offense, not about minor day-to-day offenses. When another person who identifies as Christian sins seriously against you, this is what you're to do. So as we go through this, if you start thinking, well, the people who sin seriously against me are not Christian and they have no interest in anything having to do with Christianity, don't drift off into that. This is about what you're to do if a person who identifies as Christian sins seriously against you, your spouse your children, your parents, the members of this parish, everyone at Lawrence Catholic Academy. There are an awful lot of people, thank God, who identify as Christian around here. This is about us. And also please note that this teaching of Jesus isn't some sort of pie-in-the-sky idealism drifting above real life. Jesus lives an entirely real life with entirely real people with all of their strengths, all of their weaknesses, all of their sin. The gospel writer, Matthew, is living around 70 or 80 AD in Syria or Palestine. 
in day-by-day real life of the church, the faith community in which he lives. With all their limitations, these people are are a community of faith. They're honest, they're united, they're prayerful, they're pursuing love, they're looking for unity, they're looking for peace together in Christ. Hopefully you and I are similar. So here we go. If your brother or sister sins seriously against you, the first thing Jesus teaches is that you must make the decision to seek reconciliation. Through all of the rest of this teaching, from the beginning to the end, no matter how things unfold, an authentic disciple of Jesus must make the decision to seek reconciliation with the Christian brother or sister who sins seriously against him or her. That can be a very easy decision at times. It can be a very tough decision at times. When I'm hurt, when I'm angry, when the person who sins against me is hateful, when I want to be vengeful, when I want to strike back, when I want to harm, when I want to hate, when I want to dismiss forever the person who sins against me, if I'm an authentic disciple of Jesus, I have to decide to seek reconciliation. My feelings do matter, but I do not decide how I act in this world based on my feelings. God has given me an intellect. I make decisions about what to do using my intellect following the teaching of Jesus, whatever my feelings are. To make the decision to seek reconciliation can be done, no matter how torn up I am, no matter how limited I am. There is, in fact, no other valid Christian option than to seek reconciliation when a person has sinned seriously against me. A Christian who decides to seek reconciliation with the fellow Christian who sins against him or her is given by Jesus in this passage a straightforward, three-step process to pursue. And to keep pushing this at you, I believe pursue this immediately, directly. Three steps. Step one, Jesus says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have won over your brother. Don't go tell the whole world. Don't post on social media. You certainly may need to speak with someone else appropriately, confidentially, someone else who's Christian and trustworthy about the situation. But basically, keep this between your brother and you. I think there's some sense of fairly immediate timing about this. Get to it. Obviously, you may need time to think things through, but go to the person and get moving on this. There is a passage from Leviticus 19, you shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason with your neighbor, lest you sin because of him. If you allow too much time to go by, if you dwell too much on the sin and the person who has committed this sin against you, there's a lot of room for hatred to grow in you. We'll see throughout this passage Jesus says in this first step, objectify the sin, meaning express what has happened in concrete form. Lay it out. Present it to your brother as it is. 
this is how you sinned against me. If your brother listens to you, meaning he acknowledges his sin for what it is, and he repents of it, you've won over your brother. You are reconciled in the truth. Please note, the future of your relationship with your brother is a completely separate issue. If this is something that is serious, and it's something that really is passed over, you may have a wonderful relationship with your brother. If your brother has burnt down your house, he acknowledges it, and he repents of it, you may not be spending a lot of time hanging out with your brother thereafter. I think that would be crazy. But you have experienced reconciliation with him in the truth. Step two. If your brother doesn't listen to you, take one or two others along with you so that every fact may be established on the testimony of two or three witnesses. That's a direct quote of Deuteronomy 19 in the Old Testament. So if your brother doesn't listen to you when you've gone to him alone, take one or two others along with you so that every fact may be established on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Those might be witnesses to the actual sin that's been committed. They might be witnesses to the truth. They might be witnesses to the sinner's unwillingness to repent. In any case, it's clear that you're to find just one or two fellow Christians who are sincere and honest, who join you in this direct effort to objectify the sin and seek reconciliation through the sinners acknowledging the sin and repenting of it. You just need one other authentic Christian to do this. Step three, and there are only three steps. If he refuses to listen to them, tell the church. Church definitely, in Matthew's writing, means the local Christian congregation. There's no further definition here of what that means. Depending on the time and place, it could be the assembly, it could be its leaders. We see that in the letters of St. Paul and the first letter of John. It could be other members of one's family or friends. We see that in a parish. We see that hopefully at our school. It could be the priest. I'm asked to do this very, very often. Again, what's clear is that the church here means additional people who are united in faith, in prayer, and intention to objectify the sin and seek reconciliation through the sinners acknowledging the sin and repenting of it. That's it. Three straightforward steps. If at any, state, any stage of this three-step process your brother listens to you, you've won him over. If at the end of the three-stage process he still doesn't listen to you, Jesus gives this final instruction. If he refuses to listen, even to the church, then treat him as you would a Gentile or a tax collector. Think about this. Who are Gentiles and tax collectors in the New Testament? There are people who are looked down on, there are people who sometimes show great faith in Jesus and are converted. They're people for whose sins Jesus dies. The whole package. 
The passage goes on with references to actions of the local church community that are familiar from New Testament letters about the life of the early church. There are situations in which a serious sinner who refuses to turn away from his sin is formally separated from the rest of the church. When that actually happens, the goal is always to make clear to the sinner the gravity of his sin in the hope that he will change his ways and be reconciled with God and the church. When a person is even formally excommunicated from the church, it's always supposed to be fully accompanied by sincere prayer for the conversion and the return of the sinner. My experience is that we apply those same fundamental principles to the brother and sister who refuses to listen through all three steps. Separate yourself appropriately from that person, but sincerely with the hope and the prayer that the person will be reconciled with God and perhaps with you. As you set off with this, I hope to reflect on it this week, I can witness to you 100% from my own experience and my experience of really thousands of situations of serious sin as a priest. A couple of final thoughts. When Christians choose to accept this teaching and put it directly into practice, very often sinners do choose to change and reconciliation takes place through that three-step process. Often, when the three-step process is rejected and serious decisions then have to be made about communion with unrepentant sinners who are still loved, sinners do over time change and return. When sincere Christians develop the habit of putting this teaching into practice, they do in fact avoid the deep holes of hatred and retaliation as well as the snares of the devil and ungodly people. All of this passage is about situations which people have, in fact, sinned seriously against us. In the course of this life, most, or I presume all of us, have situations in which it turns out we're wrong about how we feel people have sinned seriously against us. We don't have the, cor the correct facts. We've been fed false information we've blown a situation out of proportion. When we put this teaching, this three-step practice, into practice, we're acting from beginning to middle to end as people who sincerely seek truth and reconciliation with other Christians who have the same goals. So in the course of living out this teaching, I have personally found that I have often been wrong, and that turns out to be something that I celebrate. I'm relieved that I've been wrong. Finally, when sincere Christians consistently live this teaching, they're also blessed, I find, with insights into ways to introduce the perspectives and teaching of Christ in this area into the world that does not yet know or accept him, into the lives of people who are even very anti-Christian, which is the fundamental mission all of us have been given by Jesus to evangelize. You have been listening to Father Paul O'Brien, pastor of St. Patrick Parish in Lawrence, Massachusetts. For more information about the parish and to get involved, please go to stpatrickparish.com or follow us on social media. Thank you for listening.